Welcome to Beer Net Radio. Listen to on every continent except Antarctica. So, all right. Well, welcome to this special edition of Beer Net Radio. I'm here with Jordan Driggers. We are at the uh, hotel. Where are we, George? We're at the Grand, the Grand Sheraton in Chicago. The Grand Sheraton. We're looking out onto the beautiful, what is that, the Chicago River? That's what I would call it. I know that there's a carp problem, Jordan, and it's very serious. And you're sitting over here laughing while carp are jumping over this gate over here into the, the Lake Michigan. Have you heard about this carp issue? No, I have not. That's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> I wish I could talk to you about it because it is more serious. But uh, we just got done with the Mark Anthony Brands distributor meeting. Uh, Jordan and I put on our uh, sunglasses, our white cloth. I was wearing a Cayman Jack hat. Cayman Jack. Jordan was wearing a sleeveless Cayman Jack it's muscle like shirt. A, it's kind of like a straw, straw Cayman Jack hat. Right. Yeah. And it, it fooled no one. But we did manage to stay through the good stuff. And, you know, one of the things that I noticed, Jordan, was Mike's has always been good at filling white spaces. Most people, you know, AB's very good at that, too. You find something in a category that's missing a certain something because of distribution or whatever, fill it. Because they're good at distribution and they're good at flavors. Now, here's where Mike's is different. Are you listening, Jordan? I'm listening. Mike's is a little different because they also look at the distribution distributors portfolio their distributors portfolio really in each market and they say oh we can fill this that our distributor network doesn't have for instance i would say it was most pronounced during when they talked about the new white call spirit-based vodka plus soda vodka soda and how it's just going after high noon and they did that deliberately because they knew that nobody in the audience carried high noon yeah. so it was an easy sell and you know and that they kind of filled that what do you think about all that no i mean they they had a brilliant uh way of announcing it anthony kind of took control on that and before he even launched it he you know asked how many of y'all carry high noon out there and he knew the answer, but kind of, yeah, faked like he was peering out into the crowd and in a white lab coat. Yeah, I don't see many hands uh, <laughs> raised. Right. Um, so yeah, uh, and high noon is still uh, super small compared to white ball or even truly, but it did seem like that's where the focus was because high noon is kind of taking the spotlight in Seltzer this year. Right. It's this business that they're leaving on the table by not having a vodka version. And of course they stressed, if they did, if they stressed it one time, they stressed it a hundred times and that was display it, put it on the shelf right next to High Noons uh, everywhere. High Noon, I do not put it next to regular White Claw because the cannibalization would be awful. And you know, what, if, what did he call, what did he say White Claw Vodka Seltzer? That he, what did he say? It should be a shadow yeah to, that's what i was going it should for. be a shadow next to high noon yeah yeah they said it should be their testing said it would be 70 percent incremental but there's a caveat to that because you have to place it and they essentially said you know this isn't going to work unless you place it next to high noon right 
So it will just uh, be trading, you know, churning between white call brands. So right. So you know, Gallo, consider yourself warned. <laughs> but you know, this will be interesting because it's it's not only a battle between two seltzer brands. It's a battle between beer distributors versus wine and spirits distributors, and who can out execute. And I think that that will be interesting. You know, these spirit-based products are getting a late start compared to high noon, but it'll be interesting to see if they are able to make hay in admittedly a still tiny category, as you pointed out. So we've got the vodka soda, and then, you know, they, they, they're they looking at Twisted Tea, and they're seeing that huge opportunity, like everybody else, including Pepsi and others, but uh, their twist on it is they're going to, they're coming out with two hoots, a standalone brand, not connected with Mike's in any way on the label, which is, I thought, interesting. They said their research showed it should be a separate product. I thought it was also interesting that they're testing it, it seems like, in distributors, there are a few distributors who actually don't carry twisted tea and that's deliberate did yeah. you catch that yeah i did and uh i think the other big difference from twisted is this one is supposed to be 100 calories i believe right so say a full flavor fmb but still kind of toes the, the better for you line right and that they they stress that especially anthony about how difficult that is to pull off technically uh, how hard seltzers are to make uh, unless you cover it with flavors and uh you know the best part of the meeting to me was just seeing anthony von mandel on stage in a white lab coat just <laughs> desecrating his competitors liquids you know because interesting in this convention they do throughout the whole day there were tastings they have these little plastic cups yeah and they the they would hire people go around them and give them to you and he would conduct these tastings against competitors and his he was trying to be respectful it was very subtle his jabs um but they were hilarious just because i said you know this is this is atrocious. Man. Right. I would, I would come out with this. Would you come out with this? Yeah. Right. Uh, right. We, if you owned a restaurant, would you serve this to your patrons? Yeah, he did make that point uh, a few times over the course of the day. Of, you know, if you own a restaurant, are you going to serve anything? Are you going to bring anything, any type of beverage that you haven't tried before? And I think it, you know, it is a, a smart move on their part. I would say probably a quarter of the show is dedicated to sampling um, and having the distributors actually sit there try it compared to other brands and uh, I think I think it works they've been doing this for a while now um, and I think distributors appreciate it and can actually tell a difference Mike uh, and Anthony they really they pride themselves on their flavor innovation and they, they do a pretty good job with it right I know we don't talk about taste but right yeah they I, they do do good I mean honestly the beverages their beverages did taste better than most of the other beverages you know on the side by side and, it, and that was another point he made you know when you he goes <laughs> everybody he goes, everybody talks about how good high noon is he goes have you tried it <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't that impressed I wasn't that impressed yeah you know, he talks about he talked a lot about how aspartame and uh, what's the uh, stevia yeah. are just terrible sweeteners for any kind of product, a beverage that's going to sit on the shelf for any amount of time. And they've come up with a 
new organic sweetener that's you know, proprietary and it solves that problem apparently. And so that's their stick. Yeah. And they're sticking to it. Well, and he made the point too that a lot of a lot of the seltzers that have come out, according to him, are basically F and Bs that have should have about 200, 250 calories, and the way they get it down to 100 calories is through the introduction of stevia, and that's how they cut calories, and, and he says you can you can taste the difference. Yeah, a lot of people use monk fruit. You heard of this monk fruit, Jordan? Everybody yeah. loves the monk fruit. I've heard of it. I don't know if I've actually... And then, of course, Jim Cook uses beaver balls, and truly. <laughs> For so the everybody's got their little secret ingredient. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see if beaver balls outstrips this new stevia replacement. I love seeing billionaires make fun of each other on stage when, you know, I, I love, I respect Jim Cook, but he, I just can't believe he put this truly out. He can't. He, he was very respectful of Jim Cook. And, yes. Um, it was, Harry and I were talking about this last night too. It was kind of funny who he uh, chose to uh, pick on. Like, you know, when it was compared to Topo Chico, you know, Coke's not making Topo Chico. Right. It's Molson Coors, but the shots were directed at Coke. Right. <laughs> Molson Coors was never brought up. Right. And, of course, everybody on stage called it Topo Chico. <laughs> and, and then everybody curiously was referring to Constellation yesterday as Crown. Yeah. And I kept correcting people, and then they'd look at me like I was nuts. Like, is that a... I didn't... Is everybody still calling it Crown? It, you know, I've seen in scan data sometimes it's still referred to as Crown. If you get a lawsuit that they're included, I, the, the holding company is still... Crown Imports. So we're going to go back. It's called Barton Beers. Um, the other thing I love about billionaires is that they have a lot of money. And this one, this particular one, is not afraid to put it into his company. He, what was it, $2 billion? Uh, $1.4 billion. Okay, so let's just round up to two. <laughs> anyway, whatever it is, he put $1.4 billion, he says, in cash without any bank debt uh, into three state of the art facilities. Uh, Anthony made the point that if he doubled sales next year, they would still be able to supply it. Yeah. That that gave, well, that was an applause line, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, through all the supply constraints they've had over the past couple of years, you know, he made the claim on stage: if we double our business, we'll be able to supply it. Phil Rossi later came on and said, you know, doubling the business would be nice, but double-digit growth. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's start there. Right. And double-digit growth is still a tall order of way, you know, seltzers have reset themselves and their growth trajectory. But I think defending their share, they're already up at 50% of seltzer share. At their lowest, they were at like 30-something percent. Yeah. So they've definitely increased share within seltzer. And holding that 50% against all these new entrants, I think, is going to be their biggest challenge going into next summer. But they seem like they're up to the task. They've got a lot of innovation, zero sugar, introducing spirits, uh, having the tequila uh, product. Well, and one thing I wanted to add, too, on seltzer uh, was that they're still calling for the cleanse of products. Um, I think last year they expected to see a kind of return to their previous levels of share because they thought there would be a lot of pulling from the retailers of underperforming SKUs. And they admitted on stage yesterday that they thought they would see more and it hasn't really happened yet. So I think they're continuing to bank on that truly AB, most of course, right. kind of 
taking back over the seltzer cold box and getting rid of all the the others right the, like the beer branded ones and yeah i thought it was interesting that they more than once also compared the category to the energy drink category and how monster and red bull had this tremendous growth and they had a lull for like two years and then it grew again to where it is today which is like you know four times what it was so characterizing this lull in seltzer demand as a uh, temporary the imports went through the same thing by the way uh, yeah in the, in the late 80s or so we'll see if that happens all right you know um one thing that also strikes me about we always kind of forget about anthony but you know i like the way he is still very strategic in his thinking and he obviously still cares very much about the business right i mean did you get that i mean the fact that he's up there on stage happens. oh yeah no for sure and he really does have a passion for you know innovation and creating i, I mean i don't know if it's him with the you know the beakers and the, the Bunsen burners in the lab. <laughs> but, you know, he does give the impression that he's there watching every single step and inquisitive and asking, you know, what happens if you do this? And he, he, he cares very much about the liquid that they're putting out into market. That That is very true. It's all about flavor and design. You know, yeah. he, the, the flavor and also the design of the packaging. And uh, you can tell he's very invested in that. And, you know, they do very, I think they do a pretty good job on packaging design um, and cues and getting that part right which is hard and they kind of set the standard for the plain white seltzer can and now they're adapting and bringing colors in like others have all right well that's all i had we got mbwa national Bureau sailors association meeting coming up uh starting the day after tomorrow so jordan and i are just going to hang in chicago I don't know, maybe get a dog. You want to get, do a, you wanna oh, get yeah. a dog? Is a hot dog a sandwich? Yeah, yeah. no, a hot dog's a hot dog. Okay. Well, I'm glad we got that out of the way. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, we're going to shoot another one of these, uh, don't forget, over at the Palm in a couple of days. Yeah, be there. All right. All right. Take care.